Good morning. good morning. Hey, will you put your hands together and celebrate those visiting with us for the first time today? All right. Maybe some of you taking service in online as well. We welcome you and um, it's so, so grateful to have you with us and enjoying. Come on, isn't it just good to enjoy God's presence? Amen. And I don't know about you, but singing those songs this morning was just, it's, it's, it's like a tune-up, you know? It's getting aligned again and just reminded of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Well, if you are here for the first time, my name is Paul, and I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside. And as I've said a couple times now, we're just so grateful that you're here. We hope uh, if it is your first time, you just have just kind of take it in. It may be a good experience for you. And I do like to mention we always have something for you at the end of service. You can stop by our Next Steps table. We'd love to put a little gift in your hand. Just our way of saying thanks for joining with us. Well, it's a good Sunday, I will say. It's a good Sunday to be visiting. Um, we teach, not only myself, but some of our other communicators, we usually teach within a framework of a series. And so we, a couple weeks ago, we ended one series, and today we begin a new message series called Life on Mission. Life on on mission, and the, the little theme word with it, if you will, is the ultimate walk with Christ, the ultimate walk with Christ, and so our hope over these next several weeks just to equip you in your journey of faith, in your journey with God, and in this moment, I want to kick off with something very, a topic very, very important, sidekicks, talk about sidekicks for a moment. How many of you enjoy some movies with some sidekicks? All right. Or maybe a different way of framing it is a good partner. Now, what's fun is with all of our different generations here, we're a multi-generational church. So some of you, you have some different sidekicks in mind. You, you go back maybe to the 60s or to the 50s or you remember Batman and Robin, somebody. How many of you know every generation in here, we have a different Robin in mind? All right, and and let's just take a poll. Who's who had the who's favorite Batman? Michael Keaton. Anybody? Okay. All right. Some of you. Some of you. Yeah. George Clooney. Any George Clooney fans in the house? All right. All right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, that that's that that dropped dead. All right. So you've got. Uh, <laughs> let me move. Let me maybe. You know what? Let me start over. No, we have Andy Griffith. Come on. Nothing like a good old Andy Griffith. And who was his sidekick? 
Barney. That's right. Whoa, slow down. <laughs> All right, ladies, men, I don't want to forget you either. Kathy Lee, who did she have? Regis. Oh, my, my wife. She's like, Hoda. No, babe, come on. No, no, come on. Come on. Can't replace Regis. All right. All right, Kelly Ripa, anybody, anybody, I, I'll tell you, I know my workout is done. When at Planet Fitness, it has segued into the Kelly Ripa and Ryan Seacrest show. I'm like, I'm out. Um, <laughs> if you think about it, though, partners are important. Partners are important. You know, this, this nation not only was, was founded in an incredible way, and in some ways the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the parameters laid forth in our government, but how many of you know, some people put some details down. They had to start taking responsibility, not only having just a president, but right from the get-go, they had what? A vice president. So if you think about it, when the president, uh, if by some strange course, which hasn't happened, thank God, in our history, I don't believe, but if the president is detained or unavailable, let's say that, who steps in? The vice president, right? He can sign. He can give orders. Uh, if anything happened in his health, you know this. Many of us, that circles in around the election, right? We take the vice president quite seriously, especially depending on the age or the health of the president. We're thinking, oh boy, you know, what, what, you know, because we know the vice president will step in. Same is true in our workplaces, right? For, for many of you, you may be the manager and you've been trying to get a new assistant manager, because the current assistant does not cut the mustard, you know? And if you're that assistant manager, it's time to get your game up, okay? You gotta step up, get with it. But what, what, what's the responsibility? The responsibility is when the manager's taking their summer vacation for those two weeks, and your team is struggling, the assistant manager sweeps in and saves the day. What does the assistant manager carry? They carry a title, and that title has given them a authority for the responsibility that's before them. So they're making the schedule, they're handling all the problems, you're hoping, right? For some of you, you're, you're in that role. You think about it on a local level, school across the street, love Grantland Elementary. I, I correspond with Dr. Tamara, right? The principal, but I can tell you, if I can't reach her, there is an assistant principal, somebody who can carry that weight, somebody who's partnering to move the mission the vision of that entity forward. Same is true for your life. You know, for, for some of you, you're, you're in a marriage, and that marriage is in a sweet place when you're both moving in the same direction. Amen? So when you have, maybe you have some family values that you've written out. Maybe some are, many probably are unspoken, but some of them maybe you've written down. You know, and you revisit it or you post it or you have a sign in your kitchen. I know you got the calendar. Calendar is a part of the mission, amen, especially in families. But it reaches a sweet place when, when you know the word becomes true, that the two have become one. It doesn't happen overnight, everybody. It takes some time. But you know that it's, you would almost say you have a partnership. You're, you're moving together, right? Here is the mark of great parenting. When your daughter approaches you, after church, and says, Dad, can I, dot, 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 and the dad says, no, and then out of the corner of your daughter's eye, she looks across and sees mom, and so she bolts to mom, and you see her. You can't hear it, but you see the conversations happening, and you see your wife defend your case and say, 
No. Right? When you get two no's from the parents, that's a win, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's unity. It's partnership. It's co-mission. We may not use that terminology in our day-to-day living, but what are we doing? We're together. We have responsibilities. We have roles, and we're moving forward. It's not just for married couples. You know, when you're dating, if you're a young adult, Uh, dating somebody, older adult, dating somebody. What are you looking for? You're looking, right, in in awkward and strange ways. You're trying to communicate. Do we have some similar aims? Is there a similar mission here? Are we going to move in the same direction? That's one, just a little hint, little hint, little hint. That's one reason evangelistic dating is not always the best idea. I know, ladies, I know he's good looking. I know he's got a large bank account. I know he's the best. He's got muscles. He's got muscles. I understand. And he's willing to watch a little HGTV now and then. I know he's meeting every box. He's filling every emotional tank. But honey, if he ain't got a Bible, if he ain't ever been to church, he's just going to say, hey, You're handsome, but I'm going to need a minute. I'm going to need a minute. You need Jesus. We need, whoops, we need Jesus, right? Why? Because because so often, right, unequally yoked. It's not that we don't love the handsome man, right? He's willing to make, but we know the importance of partnership, of being in unity. It's the same for the men. I know she's beautiful. I get it. I know she checks all the boxes, I know she got that sweet southern accent. I get it. I trust me. I know how it goes. It's one of the things. Kelly and I, we met at 24. 24 is a great age to meet somebody. We both love Jesus. We both followed him. All, all of our days were grateful for what we had. And there was a lot of unity, a lot of chemistry, but a lot of unity there. Why? We were both from day one trying to figure out, okay, can we walk together? Can we journey together? Can we have a mission Together, I want you to. I want to drop these seeds in your mind because the series is called Life on Mission, and my prayer is that you have an aha moment in the series. Because here's the deal: you and I are called to be in the co-mission with God here on earth. Here on earth. Jesus did not leave us with the two words, good luck. Some days it feels like that. No, he left us with the co-mission. In fact, if you study your scriptures closely, you'll see from all the way, chapters 1 and 2 with the creation of humanity and Adam and Eve. He didn't leave them with good luck. I know the fruit's good. Best, uh, Best wishes. No, he said, look, I've planted you. I've given you authority. You have responsibility to be, if you will, my partners to rule and to reign here on earth. Not in their own strength, but according to the ways of God. You can follow that along in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, it's it's tethered to the New Testament. And what's happening in the Old Testament? The story of a people group that God raised up and said, you're a city on a hill. You're a light to shine in the darkness. 
And then with the coming of Jesus, Jesus, he picks. He chooses people. I mean, it's like, what's the, listen, Jesus, are you doing any background checks? Or what do you, you look like you're just winging it here. Are you winging it? I need to know that, you know. And no, he's strategically calling people into a mission from the very beginning to redeem humanity, to restore humanity, to advance the kingdom of God here on earth. We're called. We're chosen. There's no avoiding it. If you follow Jesus, you are. Jesus to the world around us, all through eight. You know, one of the frustrating things you'll recognize in your prayer life over time is you start asking God to send people to do things. And then he begins, the Holy Spirit begins to challenge you and be like, excuse me, why don't you do it? God, would you send somebody to start this prayer meeting here in my workplace? Just send somebody. God, give me a sign. Send somebody. And God's like, you, here's your sign. Do it. You to man. You know, like, it's you. You know, and you begin. What are you beginning? You begin to go from consuming to contributing. That's all part of, if you will, the co-mission. Something radical. You can't escape it. I know sometimes we want to get past the Gospels, get past the book of Acts, and jump into the epistles and all the practical side of living, which is very important. But if you look at the earliest followers of Jesus Christ, who were called to be his disciples, his followers. They were operating in the co-mission of Jesus here on earth. The narrative, the story of their life was the mission of Jesus. And I know how that may sound right off the bat. That may be a little intimidating. It may be a little, it may, we may be stretching your faith, stretching your vision today. I hope so, because Here's the deal. You are co-missioned with Christ. The good news is, I'm not Paul-missioned. It's not like I'm out here, hey, let's just build a kingdom, let's just wing it, this is fun. No, I'm tethered to Christ. And so my everyday, ordinary life is tethered to him, and it's on mission. It's his mission moving forward. You're hard-pressed to look in Scripture and find something different. You won't. You will see book after book, chapter after chapter, this calling, this invitation, this wooing to lay, one, lay down one's life and to take up the mission of God here on earth. Today, I want to spend a few moments looking at that co-mission and getting us moving in the right direction. And over the next few weeks, we will look at arenas of life and how to operate surrendered in those arenas of life. But today, spend a moment here in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. If you're new to faith or it's been a while and haven't been in the Bible a while, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, and it's called a gospel. It's the story of Jesus from Matthew. Matthew was a follower of Jesus. He was previously a tax collector. He was, in a lot of ways, hated by his sisters and brothers, his Jewish sisters and brothers, because he would manipulate. He was, he was a tax man. They got a rep. And Matthew, though, diligently 
recorded and accounted and wrote down this gospel story. Well, here Matthew is sharing about the end. Matthew does a brilliant job with the beginning, but here we are, Matthew 28, some of his final words to his closest followers. Jesus says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm out. And he ascends into the place of authority, seated at the Father's right hand. And he sends his spirit, Acts 2, to empower his people. The church was birthed in Acts 2 to empower them for the commission of changing and transforming the world around them. It's called the co-mission of Jesus. And now, I'm not going to bore you with several centuries of church history. But I will say one thing. The temptation is to say, I, I think he meant to commission the professional Christians. Like the priest or the pastor or a deacon or an elder or an usher. Like, you know, there are people who do the Jesus things. That's who this was for, right? No, not so much. For you. <laughs> for you. And then, and then the other pushback is, <clears throat> you know, pastor, I don't, I don't want to raise my hand. I don't want to meet for coffee. I don't even really want to talk about it. But if, if you knew my private life, um, you may not think Jesus is talking to me. And then I would come to you, of course, not over coffee, but I'd look at you and say, no, no, he is. He is calling for you. It doesn't happen overnight, but slowly but surely, as you are transformed, you are commissioned, and you begin to heal the wounds of others. You begin to restore. You begin to come to the anxious and calm them. Not in your own strength, but as you've been poured into, as the Lord has transformed you, so he's called you. Jesus isn't talking to people who just found out about him yesterday. He's calling to his closest followers who had been with him inside and outside. I mean, private moments, upfront moments. When the crowds are there and when Jesus is saying some crazy talk stuff and everybody's running, they're there. They're learning. And then they are filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they're commissioned to do these works. You and I are called into this. We're called into this remarkable story that Jesus is writing in this region, in your family, in the world around us. And the, the pushback is, because I've lived it, I've seen it. After university, I was like, God, you know, open these doors. Make something happen. And he's like, dude, dude you're in full-time ministry. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, he's like, yes, 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 you have to flip it. You've got to flip the switch that says 
ministry is for them, I'm just going to wing it over here. No, 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 no. God is calling. He's inviting. He's ushering us into a new level. Not only here as a church, he's doing that, but as individuals to begin to see ourselves as difference makers. To begin to see ourselves that your voice is valuable in the kingdom. Your spiritual gifts are important for the body of Christ, but also for the world around us to transform them. To reflect, as Pastor Matt spoke last week, our guest speaker, as he was sharing, we're called, if you will, to be the moon, reflecting the sun to the world around us. That is to walk in the commission of Christ. It is to, to be honest, it's moving from consuming to contributing. That is part of it. And, and I know, I know what shame looks like. I know what mistakes look like. I know what making excuses looks like. And God still calls us, still invites us. And if you think about some of his closest followers, they did not have it all together. That's part of what I love about this new series, The Chosen. It's like, you know what? I am valuable. Look at Simon Peter. How did Simon Peter become one of Jesus' best friends? You know, I mean, it's just like, man. I thought I stuck my foot in my mouth. But man, this guy in Scripture, in and out of Scripture, and here is what's happening. The movement of God had been caged. It had been boxed in. It had been limited to the aristocracy of the day. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, they knew doctrine, but their hearts were far from God. And they weren't teaching relationship. They were purely passing laws upon the people. And laws that boxed them, that caged them, that they could never be tethered to the love of their heavenly father. And this had been going on for decades, for centuries. And it reached a boiling point. And here's Jesus. He shows up. Forget he shows up. People show up. Bringing their friends through the roof. Shows up. They're in a non-holy place. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. That only is allowed to happen in the temple courts in Jerusalem. And here Jesus is pouring out the love of God, the heart of the Father. And he's like, well, and the scribes, they're there. The Sadducees, they're there. They're like, you can't do that, Jesus. Who says that? That's unbelievable. That's radical. You, you're not allowed to say that. Jesus says, hey, just so you know, I have authority in heaven and on earth. Rise up and walk. And the healing miracle occurs. And their minds are. My daughter's favorite emoji when she's texting people. It's like. She's texting my family members with my phone, and I'm like, I do not use a mouse mind-exploding emoji. Thank you, Lily. But they're just, their minds, their minds are, it's, it's the most radical, radical thought, the most radical movement. And Jesus begins to call people out of their ordinary, everyday life. He begins to give them a hope, a future, and he shares how much God loves them. 
And he begins to do, the, to do this, excuse me, he equips them. He empowers them for ministry. The temptation, the temptation is that's professional Christian roles. God's calling you where you are with what you have to step into his mission. I think of Simon Peter. I think Matthew, the tax collector. I think of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. James and, and John. Come on. Ever feel shame for your anger? Hey, James and John, man. You haven't reached that point yet. Maybe you have. Traffic can be. They're like, oh, why, don't you ex- why don't you bring down <laughs> hellfire on this city? And Jesus is like, whoa, slow down, bro. <laughs> whoa. Huh. Thunder, you know, sons of thunder. I mean, anger issues. Thomas with his doubt issues, right? It's all welcome, the table of God. But know this, know this. It's for a purpose. It's for a mission. If your life is feeling confused, if you are feeling disheartened, if you know that there's more to the everyday you're living, Let me encourage you to lean in, to take this week and just ask Jesus, Jesus, would you make this true of my life? Matthew 28, these couple verses. God, I believe that you commissioned 2,000 years ago. Would you, through your spirit, commission me, lead me to give my life in surrender to you? The next generation will know Jesus through our obedience. Through our obedience. And so... I know it's big picture. This is the 30,000 feet view, so to speak, of this series. Next week and the following weeks, we get into some of the different arenas of life. But I want to pause and I want to read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. And then we'll close. Romans chapter 12, 1 through 2. The message translation is really good right here. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Romans chapter 12, 1 through 2. Those of you a little more familiar with the NIV, it's like present yourself as a living sacrifice. That's an oxymoron, right? Living sacrifice. That's our life. That's where we're called. And so often we want to walk and work within a window and we limit the size and expanse of God's mission in and through us. 
We want to walk in a, or, or work in a window of a mission trip. Come on, somebody. I love a good old-fashioned mission trip. We're going to go help some people. We're going to go build a hut, make a floor, lead VBS, baby. Done it, love it, do it. Change your life forever. Trust me. But imagine, imagine, I mean, imagine seeing your whole life laid before you. God, I really loved in 2013, man, what we did in September that week in Nicaragua. That was good. That was me on mission. God's every day, ordinary. And then Eugene Peterson, I love the translation of his, as if he can't get it across. I love this. <laughs> what does he say? He says, you're sleeping, eating, going to work, and in case he didn't cover it all, walking around life. I realize the greatest discipleship my daughters are receiving are not the wonderful school that they go to, are not the incredible children's ministry Hillside has. It is dad and mom. They're sleeping. They're eating. They're walking around everyday life is either reflecting Jesus or renouncing Jesus. And there's so much grace. Let me just encourage you. There's so much grace. Like, I get angry too, y'all. Just it happens. I know you're surprised. Thanks for not gasping. <laughs> I'm just glad, right? I made it through that moment without Kelly screaming amen. All right, but... <laughs> That's the greatest example. We want to box our mission in God's wanting to blow the box to shreds and say your whole life, your whole life is vital. Your whole life is important. Every moment is an opportunity. Every conversation that we walk into or in some cases walk out of is a revealing of the belovedness that we experience with God to the world around us. It's the mission of God moving. It's everyday, ordinary life. It's the, the sleeping, the eating, the going to, walk, going to work. It's walking around life and, and place it. Here's what we do. We just place it before God as an offering. Like, we don't have to challenge one another on Facebook. Like, you, you're not in a comparison trap. It's not, it's not like, man, look at, look at their marriage. Guess what? I'm going to one-up them. You think your date night's good. <laughs> oh, you think you parent good. <laughs> Lily, do the thing. When, <laughs> I don't know. We are so consumed. Come on. We are so consumed with sometimes how other people are fulfilling their mission that, hello, we forgot to take ours and lay it on the altar and say, God, I, whatever, I'm going to honor you. I lived in a panic when we first planted the church. I'm just grateful we didn't get any amens there because <laughs> some of y'all like, it's about time you confess that, you know. <laughs> because here's the kicker. I was so consumed 
with what my friends in ministry were accomplishing, I could not see the beauty and the story that God was writing right in front of me. Because I was consumed to the left and to the right, and it took a season, it took some time to just say, God, here's my everyday, ordinary. I'm going to give it everything I got, but I'm going to just lay it at your feet. It takes us being rooted in our identity to know how valuable we are to the kingdom of God. Like, I know I say it often, but you are so valuable to the kingdom of God. There are people in your life and in your workplace, the last thing they need is me to show up and tell them about Jesus. They need you, your patience, your encouragement, your kind words. That's what begins to transform. And that, here's what's wild, that's all God is asking That's all God's asking, just to begin to see everyday, ordinary life surrendered before God, yielded towards God. I think of a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. It's kind of fun to say. I'm going to say it again. Horatio Spafford. He was a lawyer in the early 1800s in Chicago. He supported and befriended Dwight Moody. Horatio Spafford, a lawyer in the marketplace, saw his life as ministry. Not just on Sundays or just when Dwight Moody was preaching, but he yielded his everyday life. Went through incredible trauma. Family vacation went terribly wrong. He stayed behind. For his work, sent numerous members of his family on a trip, and they went across the Atlantic. Maybe you're familiar with the story. And the ship was taken out. It sunk. And so he went to meet his wife, who had telegrammed back that she made it, and one of their daughters survived, and she telegrammed that he made it. And as he was crossing the very place the boat had sunk, he penned the famous hymn, It Is Well. Horatio Spafford. Now, he wasn't a professional pastor. He wasn't, you know, gone through all his studies, diligently equipped himself in all the, the credentials that one would have. No, what was he? He was a lawyer. Surrendered. His ordinary, everyday life. I think of a, a doctor I've, I've read about, and not met, but a doctor I've read about, Dr. Todd Price. He's a member of Lakewood Church with John Osteen, now Joel Osteen, and Dr. Todd Price, world-famous doctor, decades ago, he thought, we should help children in Africa. And so he began out of his practice, and then it became and evolved into a full-time gig that to date, he and his practice, other organizations started getting in on it. They've given over $66 million worth of medicines to needy children all over the world. He didn't say, God, I'm a doctor. I need to switch and become a pastor. I need to switch, become a missionary. No, he said, with what I have in my hands, with the mind Christ has given to me, let's see what can happen. Surrender. The results are yours, God. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to give it everything I got. I'm going to be all in. I'm going to go after the mission of Jesus. And countless lives changed forever. 
not because of his IQ, but because of his surrender to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Think about daily people in their ordinary life. I think about my sister came to mind, Philippa Kelly in Tulsa. She's been a full-time teacher for over 25 years. You talk to her. Come on, teachers, you know, full-time ministry, right? That's some of the toughest ministry available. And what does she do? She sees it as a ministry. She's teaching history. She's teaching geography. She's just, you know, AP classes. I mean, she's very smart. She's pushing it on the kids, and then she drops little seeds of faith. One of the coolest stories in the last couple years was a Muslim student who was in her classroom. She's like, I don't know why, but I'm just, I'm just drawn to you. And, you know, they, they kept uh, talking and dialoguing. The, the, the student had graduated, and still to date, she'll occasionally take a little screenshot and send me a picture of the conversations that they've had. It's somebody far, if you will, from faith. Slowly but surely, been hearing the good news of the gospel, the hope of Jesus. How does that happen? Just, just every day is a mission field. It's not, I'm going to turn it on now, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off. No, I'm going to just live life commissioned with Jesus. Parents, come on, you know this, parenting. It's a, we'll talk about that in a few weeks. Not, not just parenting, but, but family. Family, if you haven't realized, it's under attack. The enemy, if you've ever wondered what the enemy's greatest mission is, ah, just something small. Discord. Yeah. He loves nothing more than to sow seeds of discord everywhere he can. So what does he do? He looks to just, just sow discord, discord, and discord. And then here we come along, loving, serving, laying down our life, lifting up others. We counter the mission of the enemy by fixing our attention on Christ, being transformed and walking that into the world around us. You will have a bad day. You, you will miss the mark. You, you might get angry. You, you will do something wrong. You will misrepresent Jesus, and you'll do a great job representing Judas, somebody. All right? That may happen. You may uh, uh, say some things to a spouse, to your kids in your workplace that uh, 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 are not repeatable. You may feel shame from some past mistakes. The accuser of the brethren, Satan, Hasatan, the accuser, will point out your flaws. The moment you decide, I'm on mission for Jesus, that's when all the whispers come back, baby. That's when all the lies come back, baby. That's when all of the falsehoods, all of your misgivings, all of your mistakes, and Jesus says, my blood shuts it all down. You step in to my family, and here we go. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Well, I'm going to miss the mark. You're going to make it. You get in a small group. We got them coming up, man. Accountability. Get some of it. It's good. So you, 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 you fall, you sin, you make a mistake. Listen, you're covered in grace. And Jesus calls you forward from day one. In case you haven't read the beginning of the book, 
Adam and Eve messed up royally. I mean, let's just be honest. How many of you are glad you're not Adam and Eve? I mean, jeez. Talk about a legacy, somebody. Anyhow, that's a little rabbit trail, but... Here's what's, here's what's beautiful. Let this sink into your spirit. And you go back. It's, it's not going to come up. It's just a little rabbit trail. But Adam and Eve, you know what happened. The moment they sinned, God comes knocking. And what are the first words out of his mouth? Why? Why are you hiding from me? Where are you? Why, why are you hiding? I'm going to tell you so often I do that. So often we do that. We sin, we mistake, the guilt comes over us, and it paralyzes us. Here's what I encourage you. Let the grace come over your life. Let that anointing of God fill your heart to overflowing. And let's step in. Let's step into all that the Lord has for us. I just want, dream with me for a moment, just, just briefly, and we're done. Dream with me for a moment. Think of your workplace with you laying your life on the altar, living sacrifice. Think of your workplace where you're being transformed into Christ-likeness. Let me ask it this another way. Is there anyone in your workplace, in your orbit of life, who you know needs Jesus? Guess not. Okay, well, the bad example then. Okay. You are strategically placed for that mission. In your home life, you are strategically placed for the mission of God. You're sleeping, you're eating, your everyday life. In your church life, you're strategically placed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. My prayer as we kind of cast vision for the few weeks coming up in this series is that you will be equipped and you won't make any more excuses and say, you know, let's leave that up for the professional Christians. No, your story is what can shape and transform another's life. Right where you are, with all you bring to the table, let's surrender and live yielded. Amen?